0: two mats that's the number two m-a-t-t-s and there's a link in the show notes
1: since 2013 bombas has donated over 100 million socks underwear and t-shirts to those facing homelessness Hello, I'm Matt Kelly. And I'm Matt Dancona.
0: And this is the two mats for the week ending Friday, the 19th of January, with special guests Christopher Walken, Al Pacino, (laughs) and Donald J. Trump, it says here.
2: I don't know why. (laughs) You'd have a podcast. This will all work itself out. (laughs) A podcast about two guys.
0: (laughs) Two guys. (laughs) Two guys asking for a cappuccino. I'm not sure whether that's Walken Pacino or Trump. Doing. It's
2: all. I, I mean, they're all. They it's all allied into one. It's a beautiful primary. Beautiful <laughs> primary. Two guys. No. One of them called Matt.
0: Yep. Yeah. Brilliant. Brilliant man. Nikki Haley. Great guy. <laughs> Terrible impressionists. Terrible impressionists. What do we? What do we talk about? What are we going to call the? Uh, well, as you can, see, we,
2: uh, we're slightly suffering from Trump derangement yeah. syndrome, listeners. That's a and, great title. Yes, and Trump
0: derangement syndrome. Well,
2: I mean, it, it, it's it's what the liberal side of the track is always accused of by the MAGA yeah. faction. So why don't we embrace it?
0: Let's do that. Trump derangement syndrome. Okay, perfecto. This is the Two Mats episode twenty-nine. Trump derangement syndrome. Enjoy. Enjoy. So, Matt, what are we talking about this week?
2: Well, I think one subject really dominates because we're recording this on Thursday, which is midway between the Iowa caucuses in the presidential race for the Republican nomination and New Hampshire's coming up on Tuesday. And obviously, we know that Donald Trump, in his first actual contact with the voters since November 2020, romped home.
0: He crushed it, didn't he? He crushed it.
2: and. There's a lot of talk about Nikki Haley probably will have a better time in New Hampshire and Ronda Santis. Nikki
0: Haley's being is the sort of is, conservative. She's mil- the uh.
2: country she's the sort of traditional country club and Wall Street yeah. old school Republican. Yeah. And Rhonda Santis, who's MAGA without the fun, is still in the race. <laughs> and I think, you know, it's fair to say that Nikki Haley might do a bit better than she did yeah. in Iowa in New Hampshire, not least because independent voters can can vote as well as Republicans in that in that primary. But My feeling is that that Trump is going to be the nominee. It
0: it doesn't augur well for anyone. Uh, Not not only that, but I mean, he
2: is going to be the nominee. A lot of mainstream podcasts and and indeed, you know, writers and people on broadcast, they're incredibly squeamish about the Trump, the reality of Trump. And, you know, they're they're getting too hung up in the nuance and the weeds. And, you know, it's like if they were thrown a hand grenade with the pin yeah, pulled out. They'd measure it. Yes, and ask where it had been manufactured. Yes, you know, this is happening, guys, yes. and and we need to look at it. So I thought it might be, it might be interesting. I don't know if the producer Matt can help. There's a there's a clip, uh, a a sort of unofficial campaign ad for Trump.
0: This which, is what just before listeners listen. This is one of the most mental things I've ever heard. It's in my
2: amazing, life. but it, it it gets us into why what's happening is happening.
0: Yeah,
1: And on June fourteenth, nineteen forty
2: six, God looked down on His planned paradise and said i need a caretaker so god gave us trump god said i need somebody willing to get up before dawn fix this country work all day fight the marxists eat supper then go to the oval office and stay past midnight at a meeting of the heads of state so god made trump i need somebody with arms strong enough to rustle the deep state and yet gentle enough to deliver his own grandchild somebody to ruffle the feathers tame cantankerous world economic forum
1: come home hungry have to wait until the first lady is done with lunch with friends then tell the ladies to be sure and come back real soon and mean it
2: so god gave us trump so i mean there's a kind of a moment of silence as we as we adjust back to the real world this is a video that was made by it doesn't come directly from the trump campaign it's made by. team called the dilly mean team whoever they are Mm -hmm. a group of maga making america great again activists and the key to this is it's meant a bit of background it's meant to sound like a guy called paul harvey who was a legendary christian right-wing radio host from the 50s onwards he died in 2009 and it shows you what ai can do because it really does sound like him Mm -hmm. and this is a sort of gateway into trying to understand what's happening because to a large extent, that is very difficult for Europeans to understand. This is this contest is about religion. Twenty five percent of American voters, of all voters, read, uh, identify as evangelicals in America. It's a huge constituency. And they have come to see Trump in a kind of almost messianic light or as a sort of flawed crusader. They they this, very odd. They were, there was a Persian king called Cyrus. Who, who helped release the Jews from Babylon in the book of Isaiah. And so they see Trump as a, a sort of flawed outsider who's nonetheless helping yeah. the pure of heart.
0: So when when we listen to that and we hear like a comically overstated joke, a lot of people are listening to that and thinking, that's literally true. God has given us Trump. Yeah,
2: they are. Yeah. And now... now of course, there are lots and lots of Americans, and we, we know Americans like this, who who will hear that and think the same, think this yeah. is crazy. But it doesn't land in America in the way that it would in the UK or uh-huh. most continental like, Europe. And I think that the reason that's interesting is not just because religion is important, but also this is a contest about belief rather than policy. So there's all sorts of things you can factor into it. So the fact is that Trump this time held his first rally in this campaign at Waco, which people might remember was the scene in '93 of a, of a siege terrible siege and, 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 and massacre yeah. of, of, of millennial people under a guy called David Koresh. Mm. Very fringe, but further evidence we've talked about before on the pod of the fringe coming into the mainstream. There are lots of people who support Trump who identify with QAnon, but there are also grassroots groups that again, you don't hear very much about in this country. So there's a, a massive group called Moms for Liberty. Mm. And these are the moms who are really incensed by what they see as the wokeification of American education, and they love Trump. Mm. So there's that. And, of course, there's, then there's the other binding belief, which two-thirds of Republican voters believe in, which is that the election was stolen. They yeah. think Trump is the, the incumbent in exile at mar a lago and yes. they have no interest in the old Republican Party of Nikki Haley. One of the things that we, we learned this week, I think, was that the, the old Republican Party is dead. It's yes. been replaced by the MAGA Party, which is the Trump Party. And there's, there's a lot there that is alarming and new, but has to be recognized, you know, journalistically. So for, one of the things about it that I think is fascinating is the, as a mindset, is the store it sets by order. And this is not the same, emphatically not the same as the rule of law embodied in the Constitution. This yeah. is a much more primal Old Testament idea. Well, it's and
0: totalitarian it, court kind of order. It, it isn't is.
2: It? And yeah. and we can talk in a yeah, moment yeah. about, you know, some things that Trump might do. But, you know, it's become utterly focused on the border. Mm. Um, and this is not just a, a, an issue that's animating people who live in the southern states, but it's... Because a lot of migrants have gone to cities like New York, Chicago and Denver, the mayors of those cities and indeed the voters are starting to get animated about that. So it's a very big, big subject that and and, and also a big way, a new way of looking at America, which yeah. is not primarily through the prism of the
0: Constitution, mm. which is, of course extremely alarming. I mean I find it I mean I think alarming's a, an understatement I think it's terrifying. Yes
2: it is and I think that's why I started by saying we've got to get to grips with the fact that Trump's going to be the nominee because yeah. the stakes now are you know almost certainly barring some biological intervention as it were it, one of the two candidates passing away. It's going to be Trump versus Biden yeah. and that is a huge huge moment for the world not just united states and i think we need to start thinking about that
0: yeah um, do you think biden is remotely equipped to fight trump mano a mano
2: well i do in this sense that okay if i had to call it now if i was a oh, forced choice as the polls
0: to yeah, say yeah let's I, assume that they're the two candidates it's october what are the polls doing
2: yeah i mean okay forced forced choice i would still say biden why mm. because he won in 2020 fair and square crucially he saw off the expected red wave so-called of republican successes in 2022 in the midterms and thirdly because there's no doubt that trump gets democratic voters out i mean if the elect general election the presidential election in november is a referendum on trump biden's got a good chance right and also to biden's benefit is that democratic voters tend to be what the polls call high propensity which is just a um, jargon way of saying they turn out. They, right. And they, they, they serially vote. So, um, I, you know, and I also question, this will be his, Trump's third run, the first yeah. time a pres- president candidate has run three times in a row yeah. since FDR, since Roosevelt. Amazing. Are there really going to be that many new Trump voters? It's hard to see that. But, mm. and it is a big but, what if the Democrats stay at home I mean, a lot of young voters are angry with Biden about Israel. Yeah, The poor are fed up with being told by Biden's team that they should feel grateful for being better off yeah. when they don't feel it. What if the Republicans run hard on Kamala Harris becoming president if Biden dies? Well, this
0: is my... I mean, what if Biden, who is a visibly old man, and we've talked about this yes. in previous podcasts, and his, doesn't look as sharp as, as he did four years ago, eight years ago. I mean, who does at that age? But he visibly looks in decline. Yeah. What if he makes a complete arse of himself in, in, in the run-up to the election, the debates? If he well, stumbles, can't find his way off the stage? You can already see Trump pointing these out and going can, over and, and, and over.
2: And it's no accident that the Biden campaign team has yet to agree to ho- to a debate with Trump, Yeah. which is a uh, massive poker yeah. player tell. I mean, the, yeah. you know, I think there'll have to be a debate. You can't yeah. have a presidential election, particularly one of this you know, consequence without... A Where debate. it looks but, like
0: he's running scared. Yeah.
2: yeah, you know, and he ran a... Ba- because of COVID, Biden ran what's called the basement campaign in 2020, and it worked. I don't think a basement campaign this time is going to work. No. You know, he's going to have to get out there. He's going to talk to people. And you're right. You know, he's liable to to make gaffes. He's liable to look pale and weak and, you know, stumble. And Trump has got momentum, you know, and he's an entertainer and a performer. And, and a, an entertainer and a performer with momentum is very dangerous. Yeah. And a final point to make on the sort of Biden's problems is that the biggest divide now in American politics is between graduates and non-graduates. Okay. Graduates account for only 25% of voters. So that the, the Democrats have sort of become the party of university education, mm. which is fine, but it's numerically not enough. And then you get into other voters. And one of the most interesting things, and it's underreported, is there's a great Republican pollster called Patrick Graffini who's done a, a lot of work on this. And it shows that the Republican Party is not only becoming the party of the poor, it's becoming the part, It's becoming quite multiracial. Now, I don't want to exaggerate this. I'm not saying that every person of colour is going to vote for Trump. I'm not saying that every Latinx person is going to vote for no, Trump. No, 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 but there are plenty but of them. But there are plenty all. of yeah, them. Yeah. And, and also, as repeated polls have shown, young people, plenty of them are what you know is loosely called lazily called woke but a lot of them are also coming around to authoritarianism and a lack of faith in democracy so all i'm saying is a false choice i would still say biden but mm. there are lots of reasons to be concerned
0: why don't well let's let's dig into the concern a bit because as you opened the sentiment being that a lot of you know use the word squeamish about describing exactly what this man represents and i think personally we've seen enough in the well i mean in over the last decade but we've seen en- enough in the last two months to point to this guy and say no he's more than just a hardline conservative with a dodgy history this guy has got a real authoritarian streak about him yeah that that goes towards what you'd start to call fascism you know the way that he, he the speaks i mean some extraordinary outlandish outbursts
2: oh they're incredible
0: i mean he's called the, he said he was calling for the death penalty for the joint chiefs of staff the other no, day uh, exactly you
2: know, so so One of the interesting things in this is that normal rules would say that uh, a twice-impeached president who's already been found guilty of sexual assault and faces 91 felony charges. Which is
0: quite a lot in anybody's book, isn't it? It's a fair number.
2: (laughs) Would be just out of the picture. I mean, it wouldn't even be an issue. But what's fascinating, you dig back into the polling, he was neck and neck with DeSantis, the governor of Florida, until the indictments began. Uh And then he shot ahead.
0: Because he's brilliant at using the attention, isn't he?
2: Exactly. But also, he's using the, the indictments as a metaphor yeah. for the voters' sense that they are getting a raw deal and yeah. being persecuted. That's it, yeah. So he is presenting biden as an enemy of u.s tradition of the family of decency he's going hard on the idea that schools are filling children's heads with yeah. you know transgender ideology and yeah. critical race theory and all this stuff it's a quite um accelerated version of what he said in previous campaigns which is they hate you yeah but i like you yeah i see you and i Look, I'm hounded like you. Yeah, you know, and he said he said this in terms in various campaign rallies. Yeah. You know, it's it's you they're going after. Uh huh. That's a very dangerous and potentially effective message.
0: And he's called them directly vermin. He said, we're right. going to root out the vermin. And he's talking about mainstream people, but he's describing them in dehumanizing ways. Oh, my God. Marxists. I mean, you, he's calling them fascists. Yeah. Now, there's
2: a, there's again, there's a squeamishness about comparing contemporary politicians to Hitler or... Mussolini. Mussolini and, or whatever. Yeah, yeah. But actually, you know, even he makes a joke of it. I mean, he yeah, said, yeah. he has said now repeatedly that he would only be a dictator on day one. Yeah. You know, he's, as you say, they are, po- talking about immigrants, they are poisoning the blood of our country. Yeah. That is... Overtly Nazi, fascistic language, and
0: they're talking about internment camps. They're talking about internment you know. camps,
2: and and shoplifters should be shot, yeah. as you mentioned before. Uh, Drug
0: dealers should all be executed. Right? You know, it's like he
2: I, said to you know of General Mark Milley, who is yeah. the former chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, and I'm you know a really I hesitate to use these words because they, they 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 might sound tinny, but he's a great American, Milley, right? Uh-huh. He really is.
0: Trump said he should be executed for treason.
2: Yeah. Yeah. For being in contact with China.
0: He said this act this act is so egregious. It should be you know In I mean, former it's, times
1: it's, the penalty would be death. Yeah.
2: And he won we know from the various Apologies, memoirs and right. things that have come, <laughs> No, you know there's gonna I'm afraid there's gonna be quite a lot of this. And yeah. that Trump wanted the military to, to be, be deployed during the social justice B L M disorder of yeah. the summer of twenty twenty. You know, so that then you know, appalling threats by the the Trump supporters to his enemies. Mitt Romney, former presidential candidate, this is alarming. Tells you so much. Mitt Romney has to pay five thousand dollars a day, a day for his security. Jeez. So often as he received
0: death yeah. threats. Um, it's it, worth pointing out what he was, to, the, the alleged executionable offence that Milley, the Joint Chiefs of oh, yeah. Staff, committed. He took a call from Chinese officials the day after the riots that Trump is complicit in instigating and encouraging. And the Chinese were asking, is America actually under attack? Yeah. Uh, and he said, no, they're not. No, they're not. not worried." fine. And this is what, this is, so Trump says Milley was Trying to anticipate what was going on inside the mind of a president. And in past times, he'd have been executed for that. I mean, it's an extraordinary no, Millie, Millie logic. Was
2: that, Millie was actually at that very dangerous moment
0: calming calming stuff down,
2: acting in an incredibly statesmanlike and diplomatic absolutely, fashion. You absolutely. Know, I mean, we all owe him a great debt of, But, you know, um, to go down, can't carry him down the list. Trump has already said he wants to send the National Guard into cities afflicted by serious crime. There's this big document that already exists called Project 2025 produced by Trump think tanks that would politicize all the middle-ranking federal civil servants, creating, mm. you know, something quite close to an authoritarian apparat. It's very, yeah. you know, huge. He yeah. said he'll prosecute his political enemies, the Biden crime family. Yeah. He's, we know already he made a lot of judges during his first term. We know that he's, you know, he, he would do even more in, in another term. Yeah, He has talked, he's denying it at the moment, but he has talked quite openly in the past about, running for a third term. Yeah. Or even just staying in office. He must look
0: enviously at Vladimir Putin. Right. And say, well, why can't I do that? Yeah, exactly. If the people want it.
2: You know, Liz Cheney, former representative for Wyoming and the daughter of Dick Cheney, who was no slouch when it came to, you know, being a tough right-wing guy, has now been expelled from the Wyoming Republican Party. And she says that America is sleepwalking into a dictatorship. And I think she is she's onto something. And... It, it, it's so easy to say, oh, you know, you should take him seriously, but not literally. Well, mm. you know, yes, sort that, of, yeah. that was, I think, an, a permissible thing to say in 2016. But eight years later, well, not, I, and I, after January the 6th, not so much.
0: I read a piece by Christopher Browning in The Atlantic, oh, yeah, yeah. who, you know, is a very highly respected mm. professor of history and majors in the Holocaust and browning was saying that as far as he's concerned these are the behaviors of an authoritarian dictator in waiting and and we should all be terrified yes and okay so you know gary lineker can't say this but i will you know at what point do we say we are the boiling frogs in this and somebody needs to jump out of the pot and do something because this is how in history you look back this is how societies have crept into doing terrible things
2: the greatest ally aspirant dictators have is complacency
0: yeah it's always incremental and, and, always and intellectualization of and brutality exactly and exactly they yeah.
2: they look at the they look at the scene and they think i want to do a data viz on it
0: yeah yeah. no
2: exactly. you know you're dealing here with rage and, yeah. and emotion and hope i mean this is the other thing which is it's very hard for you know people like us who are of sort of liberal disposition to see trump as a figure of hope but for his demographic he is he is going to reclaim the republic for them you know make america great again it was ever thus it was ever thus. make germany
0: great again could have been a slogan
2: in the 30s a a sidebar to all this which may not be a sidebar is even if he loses i was looking into where we are with the militias in america and you you might you know you recall the proud boys and all these other groups were very important in the twenty twenty one january the sixth riots well there's a whole new it i wasn't aware of this iteration of militias called the active clubs have you heard of these no. okay run run by a, a very dodgy guy called robert rundo and there are at least 50 of them it's like fight club the um, the chuck palana book and, and yeah. very good uh, david fincher film they bring people in uh, on the basis of uh, mixed martial arts and fitness God. so they say to to young white men come here and we'll train yeah. train you in fighting and yeah. and then they indoctrinate them surreptitiously in white nationalism what they call white nationalism 3-0 when you put that together with trump calling the january 6th convicts hostages he calls them hostages and the fact that a third of republicans agree that quotes true american patriots may have to resort to violence in order to save our country you have a very very
0: you know fizzle brew there obviously i'm rooting for biden But even, let's explore that for a second. What happens if Biden wins, do you think? That's what Trump, I mean. Trump's I, not going to just shuffle no, away into no. a cave I mean, look, somewhere.
2: I, already, if you look at what Trump's team are putting out on social media, they're already pitch rolling or you know, preparing the ground for uh, another Stop the Steal uh, yeah. campaign. Because there, some, there was a tile the other day on Instagram from Trump's people saying the hard left is willing to do anything to... St- by electoral intervention to stop Donald J. Trump, so they yeah. they are as he has done in the past, and people didn't listen. They are preparing their way for another yeah. round of this. Now, yeah. America is in a pretty bad place still, at least psychologically. I mean, actually, economically, it's doing pretty well. Yeah. But what's scary is that that economic, the trajectory being good, is absolutely not translating into credit given to biden mm. that's the, in a way if you do want to go for data points that's the most scary thing yeah yeah is that the incumbent president who's actually been you know with barring the disaster of afghanistan withdrawal and a few other things you know he's he's actually delivered quite a lot so the things you would normally get you know, credit for old it's politics not working old anymore. politics yeah. saw politics as a branch of as a branch of economics yeah. it's the economy stupid yeah, so yeah, when yeah. when the economic indicators were doing well parties would do well. Yeah. Or if they were doing badly as in, you know, it's the economy stupid was a 92 campaign slogan for Clinton and it was, you know, it's not doing well enough, therefore time for a change. Yeah. So I think the biggest problem Biden needs a narrative and I suspect his best hope is stop Trump. Yeah. The whole world should be yeah, thinking yeah, yeah. in those terms now.
0: Is, is, is a consolation or a silver lining or something to, you know, a straw to cling to the fact that Trump is such a singular individual that once he's gone in whatever way he goes you don't think so not at all this is the beginning of something new
2: i mean i did a column last year about vivek ramaswamy who, who threw in the towel after iowa and backed trump and you know he's under 40 he's the first millennial republican candidate and he is batshit i mean he's a he's a tech bro you know very very wealthy investor who I think, did this in order to establish himself as a national public figure. But he is America first. He is MAGA. He is full of conspiracy thought theory talk. You know, this is the future. Mm. Even if Trump dropped dead tomorrow, of course, you know, they they would struggle because you always need a... Particularly movements like that, which are personality cults, you you know, you need another guy. But the idea, which was very prevalent after Biden won in twenty twenty, which was that it. it's all over, it's fine, Trump will fade from memory, he'll go to Mar-a-Lago and die at some point. Yeah, but actually, Trump is a symptom of something very deep and very worrying, and not, I'm afraid, just in America. You know, this is this is right center politics for the foreseeable future, yeah. and. If you don't want that, which we don't, particularly yeah. the sort of nationalism of it, yeah. you need to get the measure of that. Yeah. I mean, I, I think a lot of what's being written about this is just content rather than journalism. Right. You know, it isn't really interesting how well Nikki Haley now does in New Hampshire. There'll be a lot of coverage of it. She'll probably do better than she did in Iowa. And everyone will say, oh, it's a race. It isn't. Move on. You know, you, yeah. Sometimes you have to acknowledge that the thing you do, don't want to happen has already happened yeah the big battle and it's a battle for the world because if trump wins it won't just be america it'll be international trade it'll be the middle east it'll be ukraine it'll be china it'll be climate change yeah it'll be nato everything that we care about on a global scale will be suddenly up for grabs
0: one of his three-word campaign slogans is drill baby drill drill baby drill
2: he's you know that when he was asked about the being dictator for one day yeah. Gag. The two things he said he would do is mass deportation, closing the border on this one day, and the second was drill, baby, drill. Yeah. So he gets much oil out the ground. Fossil as fuels yeah. and xenophobia. So that's a pretty big signal. I mean, I oh, think. boy. Uh, so I think. I mean, obviously, all the, all that is depressing. But I think the only way of moving forward is to take it on the chin, mm. and move forward on that basis you know the worst thing that people who are interested in the future of america and therefore the future of the world because it is still the the only superpower this is going to be it's going to be trump versus biden yeah and you have to keep that in your head and one more thing if our listeners are interested in in the religious dimension there's a fantastic book which came out Late last year, by the Atlant- again, the Atlantic's Tim
0: Alberta called the Kingdom, the Power, and the Glory. Yeah,
2: which just tells you everything you need to know. It's Brilliant. a fantastic primer on the the oddity and weirdness of this.
0: Brilliant. Well, we'll put a link in the show notes. And while I remember, I must thank all of those who wrote in offering uh, venues for the two mats live.
2: It's, it's so good, isn't it?
0: Yeah, no, I mean literally thank dozens and dozens of, of offers of school halls, church halls. We and- can't wait. So we'll get back to you all this week. I'll write back to you all. But it'll take us a little longer to plan our, our kind of tour of Britain. But we're coming. Tour, we're t- coming?
2: A tour t-shirt, I think, as well. <laughs> we need a tour
0: t-shirt. No, yeah, sl- yeah. no sleep till Highbury. No-, <laughs> no sleep to Rotherham. Okay. <laughs> See you in a few minutes. Thank you, folks. Thank you for listening to the Two Mats podcast brought to you by The New European. Um, the New European is the paper standing against the kind of right-wing, nationalistic, corrosive politics and media that we've seen drag this country down over the last few years. And if you want to do something positive about the state of the nation, then support our independent journalism. And you can do it for less than a pound a week. For a pound a week, you get all of the digital offering and our great new app. But for another pound, you can get the newspaper delivered every single week straight to your door. And that's a saving of more than 75% on the cover price. And it's the best way to support what we do. So please consider subscribing. Just go to www.theneweuropean.co.uk forward slash 2mats. That's the number 2, M-A-T-T-S. There's a link in the show notes. And it'll be the best spent pound a week you make this week. In this year of all years. In this year of all years. Go for it. It makes sense.
1: In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today.
0: So Matt, there was a big media story, or certainly a big enough media story this week for uh, those of us who are interested in national newspapers, which is, a I recognize, a waning Um, interest. But it was the departure of Alison Phillips as editor of the Daily Mirror. After six
2: years. And I was fascinated on your uh, take on this, because obviously you you were at the Mirror for, what, 18 years? I was at
0: the Mirror for 18 years and ran the websites for a bit at the end of my career there and worked with Alison very closely, actually. Mm. Brilliant, brilliant journalist and will be a big loss. But it did occur to me that there is an important element in the decline of the daily mirror specific to media plurality in the uk which is there is no mainstream voice of the left or the center left you know you've got the daily mail and the sun and the express marching on the right and very effectively the telegraph quite middle brown telegraph coming down to to meet that middle market and on the left you've got the guardian and you know which is a Obviously, a very big website, but it certainly doesn't speak to what we would once have called working class. Oh God, Britain. God, no, you know. middle class. Yeah, yeah, it's the, it's the definition of middle class. And so... It's why the Red Wall happened. It's exactly right. It's exactly right. And it's also, also the decline of the Daily Mirror is also why the Red Wall could yeah, happen. No. And also, I think back to Brexit as well. And he, he's always been an interesting take for me because I've always thought the Daily Mirror could have made a a material difference in the Brexit vote but it had the same problem that Labour had at the time which was half of its readers half of their voters wanted Brexit Brexit. the old days of the Daily Mirror in its pomp you know and and this is a newspaper that at one point well its biggest ever circulation was Coronation Day of Queen Elizabeth II it sold 7 million copies in a day but at that time its base kind of circulation was 5 million copies a day It's incredible I mean it's extraordinary and those copies were read by two or three people you know so you've got got 15 million people looking at the Daily Mirror as its primary source of information and, and analysis on the world. And boy, did it give analysis. It was a massive
2: know. force in post-war Britain, wasn't it? It
0: changed tabloid journalism. You know, it spoke I, I, in the And vernacular. probably
2: it had a... You know, it's very hard to talk about causation when it comes to the media. But when you look back at the culture of after the war it is clear that the Mirror was very important to
0: it. Yeah, uh, no, really. I know, mean, it Really gave, important to it. it. It was the voice. It was anti-establishment, yes. which, you know, I mean, it was the first kind of paper that would talk about the intrigues of the royal family in a very, you know, in a way that no other newspaper would have dared to because it was, they'd have been, the editors would have been rebuffed at the club, you know, but the Mirror didn't give a toss about that kind of thing. You know, it was campaigning. It told its readers things it didn't want to hear, which yeah. is my point about Brexit. The Daily Mirror of today can't afford to tell its readers things it doesn't want to yes. hear, can't afford to lose 5% of its circulation if they suddenly say, well, bugger them, I'm not reading yes. that. But the old one did, because it was powerful enough. But it seems now, as a newspaper, to be in something of a death spiral, which I think is a great, great shame. They've we put should a-
2: say it's owned by a company called Reach now, yeah. and they've just, I mean, the context for Alison's departure, as I understand it, was that they've just announced yet another Round of redundancies, 450 jobs, almost yeah. a tenth of its workforce. I mean, Well, it's they've
0: got, they, they, I think they went through, they, already. They, they lost 700 people last year. And there was a note from the chief executive, a guy called Jim Mullen, saying that there's going to be no more this year or certainly no more planned this year. Well, we'll see. The The extraordinary fact about the Daily Mirror is that last year it made £95 million profit that business right how can a company this is the question any rational sane person would ask (laughs) how can a company that makes 95 million pounds profit be in such a parlous state when it comes to its newspaper audiences and the answer is it's owned by shareholders and investors in the u.s who are demanding dividends so
2: it's not being put back into journalism
0: no it's not so when people i mean I I bow to nobody in my, you know, ability to slag off Rupert Murdoch. However, he can stomach losses on a scale like that and brush them off. Whereas somebody like the Daily Mirror, and to be fair to the chief executive of the Daily Mirror of Reach, he has to answer to these investors. So he's got to keep turning the screw. He's got to keep making a profit. The crying shame is that without that popular voice, the mass market, the vigorous popular journalism, but explaining... The world in a in a, a position that we'd probably recognise more than perhaps the explanation given by the Daily Mail on a daily basis. For sure. Without that, it's gonna get worse and worse and the and, and the views it's will swing further and further
2: right. It's incredibly bad for democracy when yeah. a title like this declines. And also there's a horrible irony, isn't there, which is we're probably, it would appear, on the brink of massive election result, which probably will lead to a Labour government, uh, in which the Daily Mirror ought to be an engine of critical dissent, pushing Keir Starmer the right way. Uh, you know making trouble but 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 basically becoming you know one of the hubs you have to read every morning because yeah. it's the government in
0: other words it should be the most relevant title in the Absolutely. marketplace in that, in that and and yet you can bet your life that Keir Starmer's comms teams will be more interested in appeasing and ca- cajoling the Daily Mail and the Sun oh yeah than they will worry about the, cajoling the Daily Mirror yes. because it's become an irrelevance, you know. And I think there's a, that, that's a
2: mistake, uh, yeah. but I, but I, you know, it, it is understandable given the steep decline in which at least the the the, the ownership group is yeah. is, is in it, Well, it, the it, other
0: interesting side to this story is how much the Mirror Group, the Hot Reach, bet on. Page views as a metric. Yes. Right? So let me just explain that a little bit. The New European, for instance, is only interested in people who buy our newspaper or subscribe, subscribe. to our website. You know, pay us money for what we do, right? Yep. The Daily Mirror, the Liverpool Echo, all of their local titles, Manchester Evening News, all of these formerly huge, important titles within their communities are reliant on people clicking on their content on their mm. website and selling advertising on those articles that they click on. And so they are focused exclusively and openly about driving more and more page views. And of course, what people will click on is not necessarily what's important to their yes. community. And
2: also they they are therefore at the mercy of the big tech companies.
0: Hundred. This is the point. So they've lost 48% of their page views over the last year because Facebook decided not to serve... It changes the algorithm, anymore.
2: It yeah. less news, and that's a disaster for so advertising can you, revenue. Can you
0: imagine being in a business yeah. where you're at the mercy completely of an almost whimsical decision by another platform altogether? I'm sure it was whimsical. And suddenly you're staring down the barrel of a crisis.
2: You can just imagine Zuckerberg and his cronies sitting around saying,
0: yeah. his news is interesting? So now you've got the situation <laughs> where you've got all of these websites and the, and, the, and Reach is the second biggest publisher of of digital content in the UK, second only to the BBC. That's amazing. But anybody who uses their websites will, and, you know, I'm not saying anything any rational person wouldn't say, they're practically unusable, you know, because they're so full of adverts yes, everywhere. Yes, no, ab- absolutely. There was a story that the former chief editor of the Daily Mirror group, Lloyd Embley, threw his mobile phone against a wall and smashed it because he was, trying to, he was so frustrated <laughs> at trying to use his own website and it was so glittered with these pop-ups
2: and it, it reminds me of um old internet actually in, in yeah. the sense that it's a forest of ads and disruptive and yeah. you think is the article over am yeah. i you know it, it's Jumping a very terrible everywhere. user yeah. experience but I, I, you know i i'm really sorry about Alison phillips going and i really hope that well actually what i hope is that the the, the daily mirror finds a, a better proprietor yes no um, totally and I,
0: i'm sure it will i mean it can't get much worse than being owned by american institutions and yeah but i I Also, I have to caveat the whole conversation by saying that when I joined the Daily Mirror in 1996, I can remember Anne Robinson. Remember Anne Robinson? Yes, of course, Who who in her time was a great... Daily Mirror Journal. Hugely influential. And I remember her criticising the Daily Mirror of 1996 saying... It, 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 oh, yeah. You know, so there is journalists always are, Journalists of,
2: are natural declinists. They but, always say it's not as good as it used to be, but sometimes it's true.
0: I think now the opportunity for that paper to be a really important part of public life in Britain has flown, and that's a great that's sadness. That's a real sadness.
2: Yeah. That yeah. really is. I mean, that's a proper loss, and it's very hard to get back as yeah, well. Yeah. You'd need... You know, you'd need a very, very uh, imaginative editor and a very, very understanding and sort of public-spirited proprietor.
0: Yeah. Talking of proprietors, while we're talking about media, media, I noticed a column by Fraser Nelson, editor of The Spectator today.
2: My successor at The Spectator. Arguing Very... against
0: ownership by the UAE. Yes. Uh, saying that it's a it's a problem for a national government to own a national newspaper yeah, in another country. Yeah, I
2: mean, Fraser is has done great things with The Spectator and is a person of, you know, great integrity and um, he's not a MAGA-type conservative at all. And... I know and he, he he writes you know he feels very strongly about this uh, yeah. that this is not a, a good deal that's going to involve um, money from the gulf George Osborne and his um, partners at
0: well, this was the intro about, of the piece. See? Were Brought in to yeah. help steer it towards the deal, towards So he, he, sa- he said he wrote it in the Spectator diary piece. Yes. And he said this was going to be done by George Osborne, but he suddenly pulled out. And, then, <laughs> and now I found out why, because yes. he's, yes. he's advising the UAE.
2: Yeah, I mean, I, I think that Fraser has taken the Spectator to the point where it has the scope to be an international magazine. And to be honest, for his sake, I hope that the Spectator is bought by someone and detached from the telegraphs, yeah, yeah. which are laden down with debt. Yeah, yeah. And then really there's no limit to where the spectator could go. He's grown it across platforms.
0: It's a, it's a terrific success. Yeah. And, you know, it, it must be very frustrating. Let me ask you this question, devil's advocate question, because I, I think we both agree on, on the fact that it's a bad idea for a foreign country to own a, another country's national newspaper. But why, when you've had Rupert Murdoch having such extraordinary... Influence, You know, a foreign national having such extraordinary influence. The FT is owned by a Japanese company. You've got German companies, media companies having a huge uh, interest in in UK media. If the UAE money is kept at arm's length. But so, now th- now we're okay. at the bone. They're, okay, yeah.
2: And also, you know, and this is not meant to be in any way a, a sort of judgment upon the region. But there is a difference between an American citizen like Murdoch for all his flaws, owning the Times and the Sun, and the culture of the Gulf becoming an element in the ownership of a right-of-center newspaper group. Yeah. It, there just is. Yeah. And we may get squeamish in pointing this out, and of course, you know, you don't want to in any way appear racist or Islamophobic, but, you know, there is no doubt that the, the, any arm's-length agreement that is signed yeah. by Gulf actors is not yeah. going to be worth the paper it was written on. I mean, they're talking about an independent advisory board. Well, you know, Murdoch had one of those at the yeah, time. It worked, you know, it worked away around that. I mean, very that easily, didn't, yeah. you know, exactly. Yeah. So, yeah. I I think that this is a really interesting test case because the Barclay brothers, or the the, the younger Barclay brothers, any one of the twins left alive, really want to keep hold of the Telegraph Group and the Spectator, and they've had to go to this debt for equity deal yeah. to to keep hold of it. But I'm very interested and, you know, fair play to all the journalists at the Telegraph Group and Fraser and Spectator. They have, you know, they've put their money where their mouth well, is. You I, know, I have
0: to say Chris Evans, the editor yep. of the Daily Telegraph, has been right on the front foot Just publishing saying lots we, of pieces saying, we don't want this. This is a bad idea. We don't want this. And
2: so that that's why I care about it, I suppose, is that, yeah. You know, it's, that's what journalism should be about. I don't know how this ends. To to some extent, it's Ofcom's looking at it. Lucy Fraser, the Culture Secretary, is looking at it. Of course, there might be someone else in the yeah. Culture Secretary's office by the time it becomes an issue if there's a, of course, yeah. a, a change of government. So it's a very unknowable. Very but, interesting. But it sounds like Inside Baseball, all this. You it's know, not it sounds, all, though, is it? But it, it isn't, yeah. because who owns these titles and how they are... Tilted, and yeah. the pressure that comes upon them from proprietors, yeah. financial and ideological, is all part of how the political landscape emerges.
0: Well, let's just ask ourselves the obvious question, which hasn't been asked as much as it should, which is, why would the UAE want to own the Daily Telegraph? Exactly. You know why? Why? It's a small potatoes deal for them, and it's not a vanity. It's, it's not a vanity project. No, it's, no, no. it's about influence. It's
2: about influence, and you know, in the same way that China is is spending. Uh, billions and trillions on influence around the world. Yeah. So are, you know, very wealthy governments in the Gulf. And you, you come up against, if you're interested in higher education, you come up against all the time now. You know, you suddenly discover in a way that just wouldn't have been true 20 years ago. Oh, mm. that, that professorship is founded by Qatari people and it's everywhere. Now, we yes. need to calm down a bit, not get hysterical about it. But it is something yeah. that needs to be monitored,
0: and in case any new European subscribers are listening to this, I will add the Voltairean disclaimer, which is to say that I disagree with everything The Spectator and The Telegraph stands for, but I'm glad they're there yeah, and, and they're part of the look, mix and they should be. We
2: are we are the duo that went to Jordan Peterson for yes. work, right? It's <laughs> yeah. part of being a journalist. I mean, this is one yeah. of the things that I, I, I regret a little bit about the spirit of the age is that, of course... We should be reading the Spectator yeah. and the Telegraph, and when yeah. the pieces are well written and yeah. interesting and there's good scoops, admiring them, and you know,
0: it, this it is cuts part both ways. Matt, and it cuts because, both ways. Because, you know, uh, this may surprise people listening, but I get more messages from people at, like competing newspapers about how well we're doing at the New European. Oh yeah, and, and they're encouraging, and they and they love that we're doing well. So you know,
2: there's a, there's a, there's a crucial thing which I hope and I think it's better in this country than it is in America, which is. There's still a sense in our trade of being journalists first and ideological crusaders yeah. second. Yeah. So, ditto. You know, I yeah. get lots of people yeah. saying, "God, it's going well. Fascinating. What's it like? Tell yeah. us the news." You know. So, I I really hope that survives.
0: Great. Okay. Well, listen, I concur with that message. So, thank you as ever, folks. If you've got any questions for our regular Sunday morning Q and A session or any feedback about the podcast in general, please send them into two mats at tnepublishing.com that's two mats the number two m-a-t-t-s at tnepublishing.com or if you listen on spotify you can message us there and that's exactly what kevin and paula did who say why not visit boston boston in the states do you think that'd be nice why not visit boston and do an episode from there i suspect they mean boston lincolnshire i'd love to actually either both. Well, yeah, we could do Boston and Boston. Okay, Boston in Lincolnshire. The two yes, Bostons. No, they're definitely talking about Boston the and Lincolnshire. The two Boston, Because it was vehemently pro-Brexit. I'm pretty sure Boston in Massachusetts didn't care.
2: I don't think they mind. They'd be against Brexit in Boston, I
0: think. Yeah, Boston, Boston in Lincolnshire. It was vehemently pro-Brexit, due mainly to anti-immigration sentiments. It would be interesting to see what the people there think now. I agree completely. Yes, absolutely. Thank you, Kev and Paula, for that. We are back with our Q&A episode on Sunday. Remember our new subscription offer at www.theneweuropean.co.uk forward slash 2mats. And there's a link in the show notes. Thanks to producer Matt Hill at Rethink Audio, assisted by Ollie Peart this week. And until next week. It's goodbye from me. And it's goodbye from him. Goodbye. Goodbye.